The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Hi, welcome to The Parent Show. I'm Cathy Weston. Sorry about that little technical blip. Don't know what happened. This is our first show back and I'm joined in the studio by Seema with Seema Barker. More, uh, evening everyone and Happy New Year from everyone at The Parent Show. So... Seema, how are you feeling? We're, we're a little bit into January. It's been snowing today in Hertfordshire. Yeah, it's always that difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, the kids are delighted to see a bit of snow. Everybody straight away starts talking about uh, closing schools down and things like that. That's right. When are the schools shutting? We really don't want them to shut because we've had those kids off for like yes. three weeks. Exactly, exactly. No, I think I think let's 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 just have one day of snow on a Saturday, please, between ten and twelve, <laughs> if I could call it. I'd be happy with that. And then uh, you know we'd quite like to uh, just have a bit of mild weather, please. Yeah, some sunshine. We're not going to happen, is it? Uh, no, let's let's not say that. Let's let's be. Let's, oh, it's the beginning of a year, Kathy. We're supposed to be cheerful and positive, and think about you know the radiating those kind of vibes for our listeners. Well, everyone will be very pleased to know that I managed to take down my Christmas tree because I think a lot of people knew that I left it up until May last year. So I'm very <laughs> proud of myself. Well, that, that, is, that is particularly impressive, actually. I'll say, we're, what are we, just over two weeks into January? Well done, Cathy. Yay! So that was very good. So it's all started off very, very well. Very positive. And obviously we've got a massive agenda for the parent show. You know, we book up our shows sort of six months in advance. So we thought normally... We have the lovely Claire Healy from Raring to Go at the end of our show. But we thought we'd start off, you know, people are desperate to find out what is going on in the local community for their kids this weekend. And it's past Santa Grotto season, Claire. So welcome it's to the show. Completely past it, yes. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Happy New Year to Thank everybody. You. Yes, I can't believe it's first year back. I don't know when you stopped saying that. When did we stop saying Happy New Year? Uh, I, I think, think now is the now, time, hasn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think you can stretch it to about the 20th of January and then that's it. And then is that tomorrow? <laughs> well, the Easter eggs that's are right that in the Saturday shops. That's when it re- so <laughs> suddenly snows, isn't it? I think it's that time when you can't take Christmas gifts back to shops anymore. That That's about now, isn't it? I think. So it's like, yeah, that's it. Christmas, New Year, over. I like that thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So Claire, okay, fill us we'll in and all then. the scoop. We need cheering up so and lots you need of activities. Up, do you? Well, I've had a really, really busy week actually this week, and I've had a, I had a lovely day today. I went down to Gymboree, which my children are quite old now. So in fact, they're not even proper children; they're proper adults now. They keep telling me, um, and I love I love going to these places. Gymboree's lovely. It's really lively. There's loads of children down there. They're all blowing bubbles, having a lovely time. Um, and we were just talking about the spring and talking about what's going on in 2019 with them. So we've got lots of exciting things. And yesterday I spoke to a lady down at Pixie Studios as well, Nicola Ran, who runs Pixie Studios. Um, and she's doing some really exciting things with her theatre, theatre, dance, singing, 
um, tap, all sorts of things she's doing down there, which is very exciting. There are so. so many sort of, this links to our show theme this evening, which is sort of speech and language and communication and expression in children. And there are so many clubs and things locally to encourage children to be, yeah. you know, expressive and communicative. We are answer. so lucky here, aren't we? Mm. We have got so, so many places that, that, that children can be doing that kind of thing um, and growing and learning and, and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, going, I was going to draw people's attention to the vouchers that are still in the magazine from the winter issue. If you've still got the magazine, please say you have. Okay, so it hand me a little December. copy. Do I have a read of that? So Let's have a look have at a the vouchers, Seema, which we'll slide over them now. Vouchers. This is in the raring to go winter version winter of the issue, magazine. which is still yeah. valid now. So there's still things that are going on in there. But now, there's 39% for... off Legoland Resort. Yes. Now, why is it not 40? What's the 39? Oh, well, it, doesn't it make it? It's psychological. <laughs> it's a psychological thing. <laughs> Don't get pedantic. Oh, two know. for one entry voucher on DJ Jungle. Exactly, yeah. Fabulous. yeah. And isn't this the best time when it's freezing cold outside? Mm-hmm. Go and yeah, let the children amazing. run around inside yeah. and, and um, use up some of their lovely energy. Fantastic. So and there's loads of vouchers at the back of the yeah. St. Albans Harpenden version. Of well the worth looking in there. Just having a quick look through. If you're going anywhere, brilliant, brilliant ideas. Like Sea life, it's inside mainly, isn't it? So... Why not? I don't even know where sea life is. London. Where is it? It's London. Oh, it's somewhere. the London Aquarium. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a London one. So, mm. anyway, so I just thought I'd mention the soft plays are brilliant for this time of year because it's cold outside, um, but they still want to have a good run around. So, um, get them down there. Also, theatres. Theatres have got loads on. There's loads of things happening at the theatres at the moment, and we are surrounded by theatres. We've got loads in St Albans. We've got well in Radlett, Watford, Mel- Milton Keynes, Howell. They've all got really nice theatres that have got. All sorts of things going on, from sooty to panto still. There's still a few pantos around. Oh, sooty um, still going? I mean, he was alive in going. 1975. Sooty, oh, he hasn't, you know, and he hasn't it. aged a bit, Kathy. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I'd like some of sooty's foot, face cream yeah. to keep me so young looking. That'd be great. <laughs> so I thought I'd talk about a few things um, that are coming up, really, because um, a lot of the stuff is... is it, January is very, it is very quiet. There's not not a great deal, but obviously we've got half term round the corner. So, um, in uh, over half term, there's some really really fun things. I've just picked out three, uh, four that I think are particularly of interest. Um, so on the 12th and 13th of February at Dunstable Downs, you can do a family stargazing night. Um, you go to Dunstable Downs, take an adventure across the night sky, is what they say. Um, tickets include entrance to the planetarium, where astronomers from Dark Sky Wales, alien hunt and space games you can take part in. So it says bring a warm hat and gloves, obviously, for, for viewing the stars. But I think that would that could be something quite good fun for um, fab, doesn't it? perhaps the slightly older children, um, which is great. Um, another one that I haven't mentioned, I don't think in a very long while, is the Royal Gunpowder Mills over at Waltham Abbey. Um, over half term, they're opening um, 16th to 24th, and you'll find Professor Nitrate and his crew. Um, and they're going to kick off 2009 with Mayhem, Mayhem and the Mad Lab. So you can go and try great learning activities where you can get messy and learn about the science behind the Mad Lab exper- experiments. And I guess it's quite gunpowdery themed, I would imagine. Um, children of all ages, um, lots of activities, um, which sounds great, 10 till 3. Um, a bit more locally in the museum on the 21st of February over half term, we have the family discovery mornings, which are always really popular, 10 till 12. Um, wander around the cathedral as a family and 
learn about some of the objects that have been found in recent archaeological dig and enjoy some of the, the themed arts and crafts activities that they lay on. That's suitable for children aged 3 to 12. Um, and if you arrive before 11.30, you have plenty of time within the um, allocated space to enjoy the activities. Sorry, where was that again, Claire? Okay. That was at the St. Albans Cathedral. Right, OK. OK, fantastic. And finally, just one more if I've got time. Yeah, you Natural do. Natural History Museum out in Tring, which, again, it's a nice one undercover. They've got an Explore Reptiles um exhibition i guess um where you can handle specimens so if you've got somebody in the family who loves um reptiles i suppose but anyone I, it anyone? makes my skin <laughs> crawl slightly to think about it uh, but those are taking place on various dates throughout february over the half term um, so have a look on their website just to check out the timings particularly so so for a roundup, people locally listening, where can they see all of this information? All of this is on raringtogo.co.uk. That's number two, forward slash St Albans. Fabulous. And, and, and how everything. do you get a sort of a copy of the winter magazine that we're holding here if they sort of didn't get one? If they the didn't get one, message me yeah. via the parent show or via Raring to Go. And I have still got a few left over if they want them for the vouchers because you do need to have the original vouchers to get into those um, soft play centres. Fabulous. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us That's at the beginning pleasure. of our show. I know. Show. This very is exciting. very strange. Yeah, isn't don't it? get used to it. Next no, time it'll I'm, be at the end. I'm at the end. I've got so much time now. Yeah, I? This is the yeah. weird thing. <laughs> or stick around. We're going to be talking about speech, language, and communication disorders in a minute with a very um, lovely expert called Margot Sharp. But in the meantime, thank you so much, Claire. Absolute pleasure. And Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. <laughs> and welcome to The Parent Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. It's so lovely to be back in the studio for 2019 and we're kicking off the year talking about a topic we've wanted to cover for such a very long time on The Parents Show and that is speech and language and communication uh, issues in children, particularly children with SEN. And we're very um, delighted, aren't we, Seema, to invite a lovely, um, to have a lovely expert on the show tonight, Margot Sharp, uh, who is a consultant speech and language therapist and was previously lead therapist in a regional CAMS team for the diagnosis and management of children and young people with complex communication communication and mental health difficulties. Um, I think it's, you know, um, very, very interesting when you look at the sort of the stats, isn't it, Seema, that speech and language communication difficulties, they account for about 21% of SEN in, in, in our primary schools. This is a big issue. It, it is. And I have to say, I was really surprised by that figure when I read that figure. I, I wouldn't have thought it was as much, but perhaps that's because the... the um, Send difficulties that we hear about more are perhaps um, Asperger's or ASD, as it's often known, or ADHD, dyslexia. And but but you know, quite rightly, this will cross over with some of these anyway. That's right. And I think what we want to focus on tonight is really accessing Margot's expertise, talking wide in a more wider sense about speech and language and communication, but really looking at the well-being of children with speech and language uh, disorders and also the resilience that they need um, as they pursue their educational journey and the resilience that their parents need as well and, and, and signposting parents to the best resources and the best tips and advice that I know Margot has created in the course of her career. So hopefully she's on the phone. Are you there, Margot? I am. Happy New Year to you all. I'm so glad you're raising this issue tonight. 
Oh. It's so important and um, and it's so underrepresented as a problem because you can't see it. Well, Margot, can I just explain yeah. how I came across you? Because I was doing some research on speech and language uh, disorders and everything seems to be written by you. That's really <laughs> useful. And because everybody is so busy working <laughs> with children probably. And some of the amazing resources that you've written for the aphasic website, I'm sure lots of parents have heard of it, A-F-A-S-I-C, um, they're just fantastic and I really wanted to highlight them and signpost parents to them. But we'll start at the beginning. Can you explain a little bit more by what's meant by speech and language and, uh, you know, uh, communication problems? Okay. Um, children who are without difficulty seem to acquire speech and language quite effortlessly. And often when they do have difficulties, um, parents get blamed or they're given advice on what they should be doing but actually the difficulties that children do have are because they have biological differences so the differences start if you like from birth and but of course they're not identified at that stage it's only when they're late talking or um, find it difficult to follow instructions, that we begin to actually see that the cho these children are on a different trajectory. And um, the first question is, well, are you talking to your child? And of course, 99% of parents do, and even if they're not well, there's always someone else in the family, a, a man or a sister or a, a grandparent or a nursery is talking to that child. So um, the blame culture is quite unacceptable. And, and Margot, uh, do you mean that um, everyone's told they should talk to their baby, etc.? Oh, but, you, uh, but I mean, it's, I think women in general get blamed for everything, don't they? They get blamed for pregnancy if they're not doing exactly eating the right foods or etc., etc. And while, of course, we do have to take care, um, the majority of problems that children have with speech and language are um, developmental, which means that there, there are differences from birth. The problem that we have is um, we're a bit of a kind of a disease culture, so we expect to do a kind of litmus test and we have to say, well, we know this child has got this difficulty because of this um, response. You know, we can test for diabetes and we can test for other diseases, but there are very few biomarkers for speech and language disorders. And the only way that we can measure them is uh, by uh, collating evidence and doing formal assessments and doing observations. And well, it's while... Well, um, Margot, on, on that particular point, just yeah. imagine you're a parent listening who has a... A, a sort of a four or five year old whose whose speech isn't coming on and yeah. and parents feel very very anxious and concerned now one of the main problems I think parents come across is is the sort of you're saying, you know, assessment is necessary, but a lot of them find it impossible to access or very expensive to access. Is your advice at that point, you know, when is it the time to really get a good official assessment of those sort of um, issues? Um, it's always uh, the earlier the better because 
we know from uh, research, as limited as it still is, that early intervention um, brings the best results. Um, um, some um, advice to parents to adapt the way they are talking to a child can help, not because they're doing anything wrong, but because their child is atypical and therefore your normal parenting doesn't necessarily work best, so that advice can help. Um, it doesn't help to send parents on parenting classes, which some of my parents have experienced. Um, it, it does help to get advice from a speech-language therapist. Certainly in Great Britain, you should get early advice from a national health speech-language therapist. And um, if GPs aren't keen to refer children, you can make a direct referral to your local speech-language therapy service. So that would be a sort of a first point of call? That would be your first yeah, point of call. Sorry, and, yeah. and in my experience, parents know best. And uh, my advice is always to therapists is to listen to parents because they know. And if at the first hurdle you feel your um, difficulties are not being recognised, then you, then you go back. And um, you asked if you can be referred to a, a paediatrician. That's always helpful as well. Margot, um, a common problem parents mention is, you know, I often we have a big community here on Facebook among parents, and they talk about things like, my child isn't saying anything but understands everything. Yeah. Um, and, and they feel very frustrated because they are talking to that child so much. Of but course no, they are, but, yeah. but, but nothing is happening. Yeah. And, you know... I th- it's okay to say that parents have sort of intuition and should trust their judgment, but what are the sort of red flags in toddlerhood that you have seen in your professional life that parents should be aware of? Um, self-directed behaviour. That means where you, you'll find it difficult to engage with the child. They prefer to play on their own. Or over-passive children who don't seem to want to... Um, get involved and wait for you to make the first move. Children who show no interest in looking at sharing books with you. Um, these are, uh, and having no words is um, uh, a, a, obviously a, a big, big, big indicator. Children who don't even babble or make tuneful sounds, that's another big indicator. So no children babbling, mama, baba, all those, yeah, dada, all those sort of... don't point or yeah. Um, wave. Um, these are children that you would be concerned about. Okay, well that's very helpful, isn't it, Seema? Those are things yeah. that we wouldn't um, have been aware and, of. And that mm. should be enough ammunition to go to a therapist and say, my child isn't following a normal pattern. This is what I would have expected them to be able to do by now. Um, and I want, I want to have some assessment. Sometimes you have to be quite as assertive as the parents. And I think because parents experience um, uh, sometimes so many negative comments from other parents uh, or the opposite, oh, he's a boy and, you know, he's going to be fine, they're always late talking, they, they feel they might be making too much of a fuss mm. by mm. taking it any further. I will comment on that, that typical, my child isn't saying anything, but he understands everything. Actually, um, it, it isn't always true they are understanding everything. But of course, if they're intelligent, then what they will do is use their memory and the, the familiar context of um, 
instructions being given to them to mm. respond appropriately. But usually when you formally test them and you take them out of that familiar situation, you find very, very often that they have got comprehension problems too. Margo, uh, but that isn't for the parent to do. It's, it's for us as professionals to identify and actually demonstrate by them observing the, the assessment um, where the understanding breaks down. And Margot, can I just ask, um, would, was, would there be a, a normal trajectory? So where, if a child is babbling, let's say at the age of two, 18 months, two, you know, year, whatever, is it possible that they will retreat in that speech and that so that by the age of four, perhaps they're, they're not speaking or, or actually would that silence con- simply continue? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to ascertain whether, because if I suppose a child hasn't, hasn't spoken by the age of four parents you know it would seem they they would be worried i'm just wondering if if they could have started out being vocal and then yeah there are children particularly um those who have autistic spectrum difficulties who start speaking maybe on time or a little late have a number of single words and then between the ages of 18 months and two years they stop speaking now there was a time, and you may b- remember it, I don't know how long ago it is now, where uh, someone tried to, to make a link between the MMR mm. and children not talking because it was at, at the time they were having a triple that they were losing their speech. But actually, even those who didn't have a triple lost the speech in the same way. And we don't know why that happens, but with some children with autism, they lose their speech and then they start again. And if they start again and they have help um, and they're reasonably bright, they'll do very well. But there are children who who never talk, and that may be for a number of reasons. Some children um, have other learning difficulties. Others don't see the reason to talk. And then we use what's called augmentative communication. Sometimes it offers a bridge, so you start by using um, objects to show them if you want them you know if you want them to come and sit down and have their meal you show them a plate um it, uh, or they show you a cup if they want a drink or they use pictures you've had a picture exchange where they give you a picture of a, of a drink and you know that they want a drink um and that can form a bridge Margo, Margo, is it the case, if you have a child who's being, is it, I don't know if that's the correct term or the correct use of the term, sort of selectively mute, if you like, just deciding. Okay, selectively mute. If yeah, they were enough. doing that, I think there's a big, and teachers obviously come across children like this all the time. Okay. To what extent is our is our parental anxiety having a role in, in them remaining mute? Because I think a lot of parents think that perhaps falsely, that they have, you know, them sort of nudging and constantly asking them to speak and trying to get them to speak is actually hindering their progress. Right. Selective mutism or selective talking is um, a social anxiety. It's a specific um, difficulty uh, which um, uh, a very uh, well-known therapist who you might invite onto your program at some time called Maggie Johnson has written a lot about. Um, it's not a speech and language disorder as such, but um, for various reasons, the child has found it difficult to speak in certain situations. Right. And um, uh, the most uh, 
uh, efficient way, if you like, of getting them to talk it, it is by a, a, what's called phasing in um, listening uh, to talk, uh, them talking about very simple things in familiar context. It doesn't have to be a speech therapist who does it. There's a whole manual on it, and there's a whole specific training. I don't think parents make it. Well, it's fantastic. Work, but what to... they do need is access to uh, the, the services for children with selective talking are very poor and very patchy. Um, but it's great to hear a name that is very, you know, useful. Maggie Johnson, if yeah, you're a teacher yeah, listening you, or someone working in the early years. She's written a lot about yeah. speech and language difficulties. And she would certainly um, give you a lot of information um, on selective speakers. And I've certainly done her training and, found, and I found it really useful so, um, in helping children. So, Mag, uh, so, Margot, if that's the case then with selective mutism, mm. uh, that, that the child is responding for some reason and, 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 and then uh, applying that, can you explain why speech and language, language disorders develop then in children? Okay. Speech and language develop, uh, disorders, most of them are developmental. That means it's in the gene pattern, okay? okay? And it's not something that you as a parent have done by neglecting to talk to your child or because your child is learning a second language. Right, there are a right. few cases where we can say it's acquired because of brain injury, okay? Or it can be associated with other developmental disorders, um, uh, so I'm trying to think of um, other uh, developmental disorders. I'll come into my head in, in a minute. Um, but um, whether they're developmental or acquired, um, what we say is a child who has a speech or language difficulty which persists beyond the age of five um, is someone who needs special attention and, and specialist assessment. Margo, is stammering something that we, we've, I'm sure we've all come across stammering in our own children. It's something that yeah. happens a little bit, doesn't it? It seems it quite does. normal, but it's very common, isn't it? It's extremely common in preschool children, and particularly when they're thinking beyond the rate at which their words will come out. Um, and so they're umming like I'm umming. And it, we wouldn't, at that stage, we would just call it a disfluency. As soon as children become aware that they're not getting the words out that they want, they start to become anxious. And this can encourage them um, to repeat, first of all, by just repeating single words. Then they may start repeating phrases, and then they start developing secondary symptoms. Um, and what we try to do is to get, to get in at that very early stage and reassure parents that if we just let them speak, and we don't talk for them, and we listen to them and reflect what they've said, um, that they're more likely to speak fluently and the uh, symptoms are likely to disappear, particularly if we also try and make life a bit less stressful. It can be associated with uh, stress in learning to read or or um, not sleeping, mm. all sorts of things. And we're going to take a tiny break, Margot, and okay. then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the experience of being at school if yeah. you have speech and language and communication uh, disorders. Okay. So stay on the line. Thank you. 92.6 FM. Radio Verulam. Radio Verulam. 
Family life has its ups and downs, and at Neve Solicitors, we're here to help with all your legal matters. Whatever your circumstances, we know how to handle even the most delicate situations. Our experienced family law specialists offer friendly, sympathetic advice on everything from trust funds to property, from partnership breakdown to wills and probate. To arrange a free consultation, visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Uh, and we're back. Welcome back to the Parents Show. And Margot, are you still with us? I am. Indeed. Wonderful. So I've, I want to start off with another question, please. We've just talked about stammering, and um, can you just talk to us about what what are the other most common speech and language disorders? So we can try to uh, think about um, uh, parents can try to think about uh, uh, um, ha- how to look out for something that maybe they can get help with. Okay, there are the speech disorders where children. Um, find it difficult to hear the sounds of our language um, and so they find it difficult to, to, they might start off very simply by, for example, saying cat for cat, but it's more serious than that and and they can't actually hear certain sounds so their speeches are unintelligible. If it's unintelligible at the age of four to people who know you well, um, then it's likely to need significant input. There are normal developmental um, progress, if you like, so you don't expect a child of two or three to use all the sounds of their language. Um, So it's okay if they're, they're, you know, saying stop for shop or top for stop at four or five. And in fact, we don't acquire all the languages, all the sounds in the in the English language until we're six or seven. And uh, the distinction between th and th, thin, thin, is the last to um, actually acquire. And some children, of course, for dialectal reasons, they don't actually use the sound th anyway. So it's a progression, and it's whether it's following that normal progression. And parents usually know. They think, well, every, the children around my son or daughter. I can understand, but no one can understand my son or daughter. So you sort of can use those comparisons that Absolutely. mothers always and also talk if about you're not, anyway. If, if you're not use, also having a hearing problem, where yeah. glue ear can affect the um, ability to listen and to discriminate between sounds. But, so that but can Margo, delay Margo the isn't there so much to unpick? I mean, it's so complicated for it a is, parent. It's you know, incredibly co- You have to iron out so many issues. Yeah. Hearing issues, you know, social yeah. issues, um, genetic cognitive, factors, yeah. cognitive issues. It's, mm-hmm. uh, but I think what you're saying, the tip that we could pass on to parents is really to trust your judgment yeah. and to constantly Absolutely. look for the best advice. Yeah. And, and if you're unsure, then go to, go to a helpline like the Aphasic Charity talk it over and what about we'll talk well actually in fact we'll come on to those websites that are amazing later yeah. on i want to talk about children who have english as a second language okay um for, for certainly for teachers listening as well you know what is your advice say you were raising a child who speaks english as a second language and there's so many parents that i've met who say oh, i'm really worried you know should i be speaking in one language more or another or how is how will it affect the development of their spoken English if we speak in our home language at home. What's your sort of general view on that? A child who has no language difficulties will speak more than one language very easily. 
And you have only to think of Welsh children, um, children in many countries in Europe who have uh, have to speak more than one language. And I think as um, our English speakers, we um, we're, we're not very good at accepting that. And there was a, 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 a sort of historically, parents used to be told that they had to speak to their children in English. But we know now that speaking, particularly in the first three years, in your mother tongue, and is the most natural way to communicate with your child. And they will develop all the language and non-verbal language skills like turn-taking, smiling, playing with you much more quickly if you uh, interact with them naturally. And as soon as they go to nursery, they will very easily take on a second language. Um, Of course, it helps if you as a parent can speak um, the language that your child is being educated in because then, of course, you can help them with their homework, etc. But for some parents who come to this country late in their life as refugees um, who are not working, uh, that can be very difficult for them. But um, usually the children who persist in having language problems after six months are those children who may have additional language needs. But... um, um, and they're not because it's English, and it's often confused as English as a second language. But actually, it's in my experience of looking of assessing those children, um, they have difficulties in both languages. But they're often only tested in English um, because we can only speak in English ourselves. It's very important to look at both languages. So um, that that's really helpful and. Um, I have to say, as a as a, a second generation from second generation immigrants, I know that a lot of people um, who have who were not spoken to in their parents' mother tongue because of the fear that they wouldn't learn English, mm-hmm. and uh, and now lots of people like me, filled with regret that they can't speak all those wonderful languages <laughs> fluently yeah. from from the Indian subcontinent, because actually by the time they went to school at five, they were fluent English speakers, yeah. um, because. For, for obvious reasons, natural reasons, and and I'm sure there are still lots of people um, coming to this country who have the same fears. But actually, that's good to put that to bed. Yeah, that actually speaking in any language is shouldn't be is not going to be a problem as far no, as. No, and, and it's really important to take keep in touch with your heritage mm, yeah. and um, have connections with your ga- grandparents. Yeah. Um, when they speak in a different language, come to visit you, or you go go to the other side of the world and visit them. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I think if you learn more than one language before the age of three, you're likely to go on to have uh, much better language skills than most other people. Yeah, well, let's... And there's a lot of research into that. So, yeah, please, please speak more than one language. <laughs> it's definitely an advantage. That's, that, that's very helpful. Now, Margot, what we've done is we've spoken about... Um, accessing help from your GP and then hopefully being referred and we've talked about stammers and and disorders and can we just talk a little bit about if your child does have um, speech and language difficulty how can parents support them especially in terms of resilience and self-esteem so so perhaps your child has been diagnosed is getting professional help but there are going to be issues for themselves but also yeah. perhaps issues at school with other children. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think the important um, uh, issues to think about is that the child is um, well regarded by the staff in school because children take their lead from the teachers. If a child is accepted by the teacher, children, and it's a good teacher, the children will want to be respected by the teacher, and so they will actually look after that child. That's what I found. Where children's language difficulties have presented as behavior problems and been misinterpreted, children get labeled as naughty, lazy, rude, disrespectful. That's when things are most likely to go wrong. Of course, children with language difficulties do tend to be more literal and a little more vulnerable. So that means they can be more, um, uh, they are vulnerable in situations where streetwise children try to take advantage of them. And a lot of the teaching that we do as speech and language therapists is about learning about deception and the motives behind it and the difference between good and bad friends. So that goes on in school. But what we also find with fairly bright children with language difficulties is um, they tend to be perfectionists, and they do dwell on things that go wrong and often lose sight of the things that they've done well. And, of course, when they go home, they're thinking about what went wrong, and parents, of course, have to talk to them about these issues. So, Margot, take the situation of, say, in the playground, where a yeah. child, it's very common, will be bullied for having, you know, being different or having communication difficulties. Yeah. You know, obviously the school has their own policies and how to deal with that, but when a parent picks them up at the end of the day, what is the best way they can reassure them and have the conversation about how they're feeling um, and, how, you know, and and what can they do to help them, help prevent them being bullied and sustain okay. their resilience? What I think is children um, with language disorders see the world from their perspective. So they may, they will only see what someone may have done to them. They may not record what they might have done or said first. Right. So um, it, often schools will say he brought it on himself or something, which is not acceptable. Something's happened to that child and we need to in, unpick it. The parents can't do it. They can listen, but they have to go back into the school and take um, the problem to the school and ask the school to investigate it. So it's fully. a good idea to sort of ask for the full context before Absolutely. you have the conversation and, with your own child. Uh, and usually what happens is the child and the other child will be interviewed together. And there is a technique that parents might find very useful, which is called comic strip, where you actually draw what happened, what the children said and what they were what they were feeling at the same time. So sometimes, not always, but some of our children with language difficulties are very blunt and outspoken or too honest. Too honest, and they, yeah. And they upset the child that they're talking to. And that child may say something rather horrible back or be quite physical. The child who's been unintentionally rude will report that somebody's hit him, but they won't realise what they may or say done first, upset that child. And that's why it needs to be unpicked in school. Good
good schools will do that. So you've mentioned the comic strip. I mean, I'm sure that's uh, teachers are very familiar with that. Yeah, that's Carol Gray who actually right, created yeah. that. And how can parents access they that? They can resource? look online and get and and um, access that very easily. Fantastic. Not a difficulty at all. And certainly they should. And there are, and there are courses they can do on as well that they can access. Now, you've mentioned anxiety earlier seems to come up quite a lot um, in yes. terms of it seems to be something that needs to be very carefully managed in it seems to be SEN children with these types of disorders. Is that correct? It is correct. Anxiety is often the most common feature. And how should parents, what is the best advice you can give parents in how to manage uh, that and what would be the best resources for them to look at? Um, what I would say is uh, never say don't worry. Right. We have to acknowledge that the child is anxious. Um, but we also have to help them face their fears. Okay. And it's not sensible to face a fear that's going to make you even worse, like climbing Everest. But it may be sensible to resolve a, a fear around, for example, going on a re- school residential trip. What I found in my experience is that children trust their parents more than anyone else in the world. So if they're worried, they use their parents as the human dustbin and offload all their worries on them. So it can seem overwhelming to parents, but in school they, they may say absolutely nothing. Right, and that's quite common, isn't it? I hear lots so of parents com- saying So what that. I would say to parents is um, that go into school... Share your concerns with the special needs girl order. My child is saying, I'm not going on that school trip, or if you make me, I'm going to throw myself out the window, whatever they say, which is really threatening and very worrying for parents. And then the school centre should invite the child and the parent in and talk to them together. And what the centre should be saying is, um, you're telling me you're going to find this difficult we will make this possible and then put strategies into place. So if it was a school trip, who would you like to share a room? Uh, These are the activities. You know, it's so easy to make it much more accessible if you go through that process. And you make that lovely point, Margot, in this document that we have in front of us, which is you've written for Aphasic England on social communication disorders. And it's a fantastic article for parents and professionals and the lovely line in it is about building these children's resilience Absolutely. and acknowledging so their fears but you've also said you know the school may not be aware of a child's anxiety not at all, and, yeah. and that this lovely positive attitude where, where you, you know, we will make a, a way of making it possible Absolutely. is lovely isn't it I, um, you know, I saw a child a couple of days ago in school who, um, in the classroom, you would never know that she had a language difficulty. But um, she offloads it all at home. But in, in school, she's decided there are certain things that she cannot do. So she posted her note to the teacher to say, don't ask me to listen when you're um, giving the test results. So she was uh, kind of saying, you know, this is really hard for me and I don't want to do it. Mm. So I said to the TA who's uh, responsible for managing her, why don't you um, talk to her about um, things that she finds difficult, some of which she does some of the time, like 
answering questions and put that one you I've just mentioned on the list grade them from one to ten in terms of difficulty and say we're going to have bravery awards each one you tackle we are going to give you a special award for and then you're recognizing that there is a difficulty um, and by actually colluding with the child and them knowing that you know it's hard they will make that extra effort and overcome not all but some of these difficulties that's just a great strategy margot not just for 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 this particular category of child is it that's that's just a great strategy and actually listening to some of the things you're saying right now first of all i feel like i should apologize to my children for saying don't worry so many thousands <laughs> of times yeah, to them too. i'm constantly saying don't worry it'll be fine so i take that back children but but i think the other thing is this idea and and you know um it's already been uh, kathy's already uh, kind of spoken about this but can't do means you're telling me you find so and so difficult yeah. that that's a that's such a great response to a child who says i can't do that because that's actually true. i feel like that is a natural reaction from a child it's a big old world things seem difficult and you don't necessarily have to have a learning difficulty or or a communication Absolutely. disorder to feel like there are things that you can't do and so that idea of putting in front of them things that they found difficult but mm. there are ways of dealing with them and they have dealt with them it's just wonderful it's so, it's so simple and actually would never have occurred to me and um, it works because and it I, works. i've only find out how these work by trial and error like everybody else you over a career a very long career <laughs> i have tried lots of different uh, strategies um, with parents and children and I, I, I have found that that one works but it's always parents and child together with the teacher and it's taking the responsibility off the parents but I think the together yeah. thing is, is very important because yeah. I think also yeah. in, in, the, in this article that Cathy's referred to you say you know if, if you're finding this difficult, we will find a way to make it possible. Absolutely. And that we um, must enable the child so much more. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a key, uh, absolutely. The other key is behaviour as communication. That's my big one. And I've but just seen something that you've written, Margot. trying to tell you something. You've written here, try to ignore unwanted behaviour and focus yeah. on when your child is behaving well. Again, that is generic advice that is good yeah. for all parents, isn't it? To, to focus on the positives. Very difficult, but it works. Yeah. Particularly with children um, who might be emotionally a little bit immature because they'll respond to anything. A toddler will respond to anything you, you say to them, however uh, negative it is, uh, and make a, a game out of it. And um, children with communication difficulties um, will do the same. You know, I, I say to a teacher, you know, if you've got a group of children sitting on the floor listening to you and one gets up and moves away, what, um, what do you do? Uh, you say, uh, if, and they'll say, oh, come here and sit down. I said, what do you think will happen after that? They'll get up and move away again because they know they're going to get a reaction from you. What would happen if you had um, talked to the class about good listening and every time one of the children, not the one who's finding it difficult, listened to you and said, good listening, Bethan, or whatever the girl's name is, you'd find that other child would think, oh, I'll sit here because I'm going to get noticed. So positive feedback is hugely important. And that is such an inclusive way of dealing of with course, the, the entire class. Of course, children don't have difficulties. We, we don't have to do it so often as we know. As uh, if, we've got parent, if we're parents of neurotypical children, they seem to um, 
because they share minds and ha- have more empathy, they understand when we say, oh, no, don't do that, <laughs> that actually uh, I'd rather you don't do it again. But for children with um, more pervasive difficulties, that can be a trigger to repeat what they've done um, again. The other thing I always say is don't threaten. Never say, if you're good tomorrow, um, you can have uh, um, such and such. Because that creates so much anxiety. Yeah, so the anxiety has to be managed. And yeah, these, because these children... uncertainty creates anxiety. That's what stems. Yeah. Anxiety stems from uncertainty. It can be the uncertainty about what's going to happen yeah. next, particularly if you say, if you do this or if you don't do this. Also, the anxiety around, what do they mean when they said that? Uh, that creates anxiety. Well, I think it's very reassuring to hear that, I suppose, what we would assume intuitively as parents, that that positive praise and yeah, focus yeah. is, is just as applicable in this circumstance. I just, because we're running out of time, Margot, I just want to run through the best possible uh, resources of websites to signpost to parents. So I'm going to read out a list, and if you can add to it, fabulous, okay? So we've got a phasic which, um, now you seem to do a lot of work for aphasic. Can you just tell us briefly a little bit about aphasic? Aphasic is the national charity which focuses on supporting families and particularly parents with children with a variety of speech and language and communication difficulties. And um, I I think there are children with a lot of um, additional problems like at autism, where the, the actual difficulty with language, which they often have, isn't actually focused on, and that particular charity is very good at that. Wonderful. We'll be putting these all up on our Facebook good. page in a minute. The next one is ICANN. Yeah, they're very good. Too. And have you heard of them, Seema? No, yeah, I they're haven't. very no, good. I too, yeah. They're an amazing. And they often work together. Yeah. Um, collaborate with each other. They have a parent hotline. So if you're absolutely desperate to speak to someone and who's got great expertise, you know, their website is amazing. That's great. They have so many resources as well for teachers, loads of um, options. What about the communication trust? Have you heard of that one? Yeah, that's a sort of consortium of all the um, different charities. And they put out, they have put out a lot of um, specific information recently on uh, strategies to manage um, people who come into the criminal justice system or into mental health and how to manage them. Because I, one thing I haven't said, and I think it's really, really important before you go, 80% of children who come to CAM will have an underlying speech, language or communication disorder, and 60% of those will be undiagnosed. Wow, that, that is quite... huge, and that's why there's such huge link with mental health and of course many and there are very few speech therapists working in mental health or working in the criminal justice system and we 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 ask for more constantly and we hear all this focus at the moment on mental health do you ever hear the word communication disorder never Never. Yeah. And, and Marco, why is there such a disproportionate amount of, of, of people in prison with speech and language communication disorders? Because they were never recognised as children. And because they may have had parents with similar difficulties. And so um, they may not have had the ability to access the resources. Or if they did, their, their difficulties 
uh, with their own problems with language were misinterpreted as bad parenting. I've come across that quite a lot. Well, I've had to step in and um, help parents access services because because of their own difficulties. They weren't being listened to. Okay, we've got a few, a couple more websites. Seema, can you read the next one there on the sheet? Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, uh, voice21.org um, and uh, we've got www.eif.org.uk. Is that one you know, Margot? I've heard of it, but I haven't accessed it myself. I think it's Early Intervention yeah, Foundation, ah, possibly. Right. Okay. And we've got www.lucid.ac.uk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've got, we'll put up all of these Have links. Have you got Connect to Family, that Connect? That's good. What's that one, Margot? Uh, uh, connect, Connect Family. Connect okay. Family. And the other one, um, I sometimes sign post parents to for children with communication difficulties um, where they're uh, quite challenging to manage is um, side-by-side coaching. Okay, I'm writing and, all these down. And, and they um, do online coaching, and that's excellent. Amazing. Uh, I have very, very good um, feedback from side-by-side coaching. Now, Margot, thank you so much. This is going to make an amazing podcast for our show because it's so lovely to speak in depth to someone with your knowledge. Um, How can people contact you if they want to hire you or to do an assessment or speak to you? Is that possible? Um, I'm always happy for them um, to contact me by phone or best to email me first on margohsharp at at gmail.com and just send me a quick um, email and I'll respond to that. That's so kind. So yeah. everybody's got Margot's email. This is great. Uh, and thank you so much for Been joining a us. I yeah. really enjoyed it. But very, but yeah. really very helpful, and and yeah. so many resources there, and and great ideas for parents uh, across the board. Actually, I yeah. think. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Thanks, Margot. We'll have you back on again. Yeah, lovely. Thanks okay. so much. Bye. Bye. Do you know what? It's quite reassuring, isn't it? Because the the same great parenting strategies or, or you know, approaches in the classroom work for all children. And I think it's exciting. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think we're always talking about mental health. We're always talking about resilience. We're always talking about self-esteem. We're talking about anxiety. And although we started off talking about speech and language difficulties, actually, it all interweaves with the ideas that we're always trying to put out there, which is, one, I love the way Margot said parents shouldn't feel bad, yeah, they shouldn't brilliant. feel guilty. Yeah. That's something that we're always trying to um, highlight. Um, bring in the professionals, go to your GP, um, and trust, be persistent, be persistent, trust your instincts, um, and, you know, um, you'll, be, you'll be okay. Isn't that a great way to start the year? Yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be okay. We'll all be okay. Well, listen, thank you so much to Claire Healy who came on the show earlier. Thanks uh, to Margot Sharp. And, and good night from. Yes, see you soon. See you soon. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the Parent Show. The friendly team at Neve's includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution.